0: Welcome to today's episode of Obsessively Outspoken. I am your host, Remington, and today's topic is dealing with the divide between cops and civilians. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Officer Christine Luffy, a 24-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Police Force. We discuss the tension between law enforcement and the community and how we can all take steps to unify the country as we move forward. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy. So, when was the first time you realized you wanted to become a police officer?
1: It was always meant to be in my future. I remember as a child playing a uh, de- police detective, and I, I remember reading Nancy Drew books. Okay. I've always wanted to help. I can honestly tell you that. I've always wanted to make a difference. I was, as a kid, even trying to make a difference. I remember uh, writing to the mayor as a kid really about litter in the community and and different issues so i think that it's something that i was always meant to do and i believe that i'm right where i belong
0: and how old were you again
1: I was pretty young i want to say 10.
0: you answered this on the way up here how long have you been on the force
1: 24 years i started my 24th year on july the 5th of 2016.
0: were you born and raised in Pittsburgh?
1: yes Yes, my whole life.
0: How long have you held? Are you the public relations?
1: No, no. I I actually wear many hats in the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police. My title is community relations officer, but honestly, I do so much more. I have a passion for helping not only people, but animals. And prior to my joining the police force, there was really no police officers that reached out to address animal neglect and abuse cases. And that's what I've specialized in over the
0: years. What would you say is the toughest part of your job and what would be the easiest?
1: The toughest part of my job is the the long hours that I'm putting in. I'm not getting any younger, for sure. None of us are, but I've been putting in, like wearing these multiple hats and doing these multiple jobs. I've been burning the candle at both ends of the way. The easiest part, the easiest part is when people are receptive to hearing what I have to say and listening and respectful. So I, I like, I really like that when people are that way. It, it, it helps to get a, a resolution that everybody can live with. I just try to be kind to people. I remember when I was in the academy, this is 24 years ago. I remember a police lieutenant saying to our class, treat everyone as if you would treat your own family, but still do your job. And I've always remembered that. I remember the importance of being kind, incorporating that into my actions. I mean, there's days that you have to be you have to be tough, but I certainly don't start out that
0: way. So, given the recent events with the shootings around the country, what, are you, what is your feelings towards everything? Of course, it makes me sad. I, I don't like it,
1: and I can tell you that 99.9 percent of the officers that I work with are good. Their heart's in the right place. Their mind is in the right place. In every profession, you have some bad apples. You do. I mean, doctors, lawyers, it it just... But we do our best to weed those individuals out. And we certainly don't want people in the position of police officer with, with that power that it encompasses to be bad people. We want them to be good people who are going to be fair, going to be just, going to be kind, and to do their job at the same time. So I don't like it.
0: I know you talked about being in, a, in the academy and um, your higher upset, treat everyone as if they're your family. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't seem like that's the case. How do you how do you lead those individuals who feel like they don't have to adhere? to that principle. How do you see is that situation being eradicated?
1: Well, I don't personally weed out police officers that I feel are are incompetent or, or bad, but our higher ups do, or the supervisors do. And I can tell you that people that are difficult or are not supposed to be in this job signs will start to show complaints will come in there there will be probably a lot of complaints the supervisors will see something that they just don't like and that's a a way of starting to maybe supervise this officer even more
0: how do we as a nation, effectively approach and deal with pre- police brutality and racism?
1: Well, there's no room in our country or in the police force for police brutality or racism. There's not. There's just no room for it. So we, it's unacceptable. But what I think that people need to know, it doesn't matter to me what you look like or the color of your skin, or what neighborhood you, look in, you live in, it matters to me that you give me the same respect that I'm giving you. Now, I can tell you that there have been incidents, and, it, and I'm taking color out of the equation, because I, I've, I've had it with Caucasians people, I've had it with people that were African American. Some people are really difficult, but what I think would be really helpful is to just respect the authority. Instead of fleeing, when a police officer says, oh, you're over, when I'm pulling somebody over, I expect them to stop. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna go up there and give that person a hard time or give that person a citation or, or hurt that person in any way. I just expect you to stop. And when you don't, when you don't stop, when you're asked to, well, the red flags going. So I think that if we could just respect the authority, try to comply to what the officer is asking a person to do, I think that that would make a lot of difference. I really do. There was, I had a, a search warrant earlier this week where I had to remove abused dogs and one cat from a gentleman's residence. And I'll tell you what, I mean, the, the, the team I work with were excellent because he threatened to urinate and defecate in our cars. I mean, I was calling every name that you could possibly think of. But I never, or no one, we, we just did our job. We, you know, I need to see your hands. I, I mean, we were able to handcuff him and get past his treatment of us. He, he went into the into the jail. We were able to successfully remove the dogs. Do you know he called me? This happened on Monday. He called me yesterday and he was a totally different person. he was Caucasian. He says, Officer Leffie I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you for the way I treated you and your officers. Now, this was a notice that I left on his door, okay, asking for his compliance. I'm just giving you a taste of, of, of what we see, what we deal with. I left this notice that, that asked him uh, on September 22nd to please call me. Mm-hmm. And I let him know that the problem is not resolved and that there were warrants for his arrest. And a neighbor had taken this photograph, and you see what it says. Mm-hmm. It says Jagoff. And he had this tape to the front of her. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we educate people, even starting as kids, to respect the authority, just respect it. And don't take matters into your own hands. That I believe where a police officer tells somebody that they need to stop or that they, they need to stop. Again, it's not my intention or any of the officers I know to violate any, anyone's rights or hurt them. We just have a job to do. And sometimes that job is really not easy. I've arrested, oh my God, I can't even tell you how many people over the years. I've treated them all with dignity and respect. And a lot of times I've noticed that when I do that, I'm able to calm them down. I talk to them. Hey, you know, I got to arrest you today for simple assault, domestic violence. It's not something I want to do. It's something that I have to do. Please put your hands behind your back. So the respect level I think speaks volumes and I've been successful Rem, because in that mannerism the way the mannerisms that I use because I wasn't a person that was hostile or angry I just try to talk to them now there's times that that you you can't.
0: And I agree with you 110% that you have to be compliant I think what worries The nation is when we see so many videos of suspects being compliant, raising their hands, um, taking the necessary steps to uh, de-escalate the situation, and still the outcome is horrific.
1: I can say that for a couple of these cases, I think that there may have been more to it, more that you're not seeing. But I agree that I I don't like the videos that I'm seeing either. But those people will be dealt with. Those officers will be dealt with. I'm not sure of the case, but I heard of a female officer who had shot someone. She's charged. I mean, she's being charged with with that death of that individual. We all have the same laws to abide by. And I have to tell you that in 24 years, I've pulled my weapon twice. And I'm just so grateful and blessed that I've never got to shoot someone Because That's the last thing in the world I want to do. I don't want to take someone's life. I really don't.
0: I've kind of lost faith in the judicial system because she's charged, but I still don't see any justice for that family because more than likely she's we've seen scenarios where a suspect was shot in a more horrific manner than that and was still let off and so it's difficult to change the climate of What's going on in this country between civilians and cops when it seems like there is really no justice? And to me, it seems like it perpetuates the actions. I don't know if there's a, I I don't wanna, I can't ask for a police officer to be infallible because we all make mistakes. But we should be able to hold them accountable.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And I feel like it's just, you know. No matter what happens, the suspect will always be in the wrong and the cop will always have that right and be justified, no matter what the situation may be. And these are situations that we're seeing on tape. I can't imagine if there wasn't any video uh, to go along with these shootings. They will definitely not get charged, much less convicted. So I know you don't have all the answers and I don't have all the answers, but. I like the fact that we're talking about it and hopefully people who read this article will start the conversation with other people.
1: Let me share something with you. Sure. This 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 year has been just a whirlwind for me. I was telling you that I do a lot of animal abuse and neglect cases. I had a case in January of this year that has affected me personally, it's affected me emotionally. It's really pulled at my heartstrings. I love animals, love them. I've always had dogs, they were always rescued. I just care about them so much. And I, I, it really hurts me personally to see when people abuse or neglect them. On January 21st, I was on my way to court I was walking out of the building when Officer Ed Mitchell from the Western Pennsylvania Domain Society, he was coming actually to see me. He says, what are you up to? And I says, hey, I'm going to court. What are you doing here? And he pulls out his phone and he shows me this picture. And it is a dog that I kid you not is completely emaciated. What I mean by that is this animal had no body fat, no muscle. It was completely depleted. I was looking at a photo of an animal that's living, that was basically fur on top of a skeleton. So I looked at it, I said, Oh my God, I got on the phone. I informed the court that I have an emergency. It's an animal related case and and this cannot wait. Thankfully they understood. I brought officer Mitchell up to where you're sitting. I said, what happened? Where did you get this photo? He said, this happened in Homewood. He said, a maintenance man doing work in an apartment on Kelly Street took this photo because he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He gave it to a supervisor and the supervisor emailed it to the Western Pennsylvania Humane Society. So within an hour, I have a search warrant. Long story short, we go out there. Oh, my God. pounding on the door, pounding on the door, finally someone answers and I said, I'm here for the dog, she said, there's no dog here, and I said, there was yesterday, of course she let me in, I had a warrant, I was nice, of course, nice to her, I said, I'm very concerned, this dog is going to die, she said, oh, it's my cousin's, it's my cousin's dog, his name is Gerald Walker. I said, can I please have his phone number? She gave me his phone number. I said, where is he? She says, I think that he might be in school right now, which is like a student achievement center when you're trying to catch up on high school credits. I thanked her. I gave her my number. I said, please, if you hear from him, have him call me right away. This is urgent. We go to the school. He's not in school that day. They give me the address of his grandparents. I go to the grandparents' house. He's not there. I can just kept hitting redial on my phone. I kept calling and calling. And finally I hear, who is this? I says, Gerald, this is officer Luffy with the Pittsburgh police. Your dog is dying. Please tell me where you are. I need to take your dog to a veterinarian right away. I have to. He was concerned if I was gonna arrest him. I said, not today. Not today. My concern is your dog. Please tell me where you are. Well, he gave me the address in Wilkinsburg. This is the fourth place I went. Sure enough, we walk up three flights of steps. He's sitting there. I said, hi, Jared, I'm Officer Luffy. Thank you for telling me where you are. Where's your dog? But he opens the door and the dog has, couldn't even stand. She fell down the steps. And she landed at our feet, and I'm we going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I pick her up, I I put her in my coat. Officer Mitchell has him sign a form surrendering the animal, so we could get we could get help. This poor animal was shivering, so I'm covering her with my coat. We blasted the heat. She lifts her head. She's she's not even strong. She lifts her head. And she starts licking my face. Mm. Long story short, she left. She was expected to die. It was determined that she had a blockage where instead of ingesting food, she was vomiting. So nothing was getting down into her stomach. And because of she was in starvation for quite a while, she began to eat underwear. They removed like elastic from ladies' panties. They removed the outside of an orange. They removed um, corn kernels, the hard kernels, plastic, and I was told she's going to die. And I, I begged them. I said, "Please, if money, if it's money, we'll get it." I said, "I'm pledging five hundred dollars. I'll bring it to you." This was a Friday. I'll bring it to you Monday morning. I'm asking for a chance. She made it. This dog was a miracle. This dog lived. I prosecuted Gerald Walker the prosecutor. And I had to, but there's no hard feelings between the two of us. I explained to him, you know, what would had happened. This was really wrong. And his family explained to me that he got into the streets and pretty much forgot about the dog that was in the basement. And then when he came back and found her in that condition, it was too late. Here's what I'm going to do to bridge the gap. It may be unconventional, but you know what? Like I said, I'm not getting any younger and I don't know how many years I have on this job, but I'm trying to make a difference. I adopted her two weeks ago. I adopted her on September the 12th. Her name is Effie. Her name is Effie. I... I'm absolutely in love with this dog. I'm having her professionally trained. She's sweet. She's kind. My plan is, is once she's trained, I want to go into every middle school in the city of Pittsburgh. And I want to tell, of course, tell Effie's story, show her picture that was in the newspaper of her, nothing but skin and bones. I want to educate them on animal neglect and abuse. What is it? It's wrong, it's a crime. But on top of all that, I wanna bridge the gap between police officers and individuals. I wanna tell them a little bit about me. I've been an officer for 24 years. I'm a person just like you are. I have a daughter, I'm a single mom. I have pets, this is Effie. The last thing in the world, I know you're hearing a lot of bad things about police officers in the news. I find it heartbreaking. Let me tell you how I feel. I'm going to say the last thing in the world is that I would ever want to do is hurt you. My job is to help. It's always been to help. That's my intentions. That's what I believe. So please don't judge me or my fellow officers because of what you're hearing on the news because I I can tell them again, 99.9% of the officers are good.
0: What are your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement? Do you think the protesting is helping the situation or is hurting?
1: I I don't know. I really, I really don't know, I don't know. Um, I believe in all lives matter, really. Everybody, anything worthy
0: matters to me, Now, were you ever in a compromised position where you thought your life was in jeopardy? And if so, what went through your mind? How did you handle that situation where it didn't have to come to the point where you had to pull your gun and discharge it?
1: Well, luckily I never had a discharge other than on the ranch. I have a sense of people I have a good sense of right and wrong. I have a good sense of what's dangerous and what is not dangerous. But again, I'm so lucky I've never had to be in that position. Again, that's the last thing I would wanna do because I'm gonna tell you, I, I believe that an officer, even in a situation like that, they have to be going through quite a bit, not just with, is what I did right or what I did wrong, this officer is going to be judged, and no one wants to be in that position. And then you have to judge yourself. Did I did I do the right thing? Is there anything I could have done differently? I believe that if I would shoot someone or take a life, that that would probably bother me every day of the rest of my life. It would hurt me. It, it really, truly would hurt me now i can say this to you um i don't know what this encompasses but i can have more information for you next week okay but all all of our police department we are going to be going into training and i'm going on i think it's wednesday next wednesday i'm going to the academy with the entire am shift okay and we are going to be training and what the training is called... Give me one second. Less lethal training. And I'm hoping that we're going to discuss a lot of these things and learn a lot of different techniques other than to use force. Well,
0: that's really good to hear. Because some of the shootings, I'm wondering, well, why wasn't the taser used? Or why wasn't the... Um, when you spray, uh, yeah, the pepper spray.
1: I have to tell you, I have sprayed people. I'm going to share this with you. It, it's effective, and it was effective for me. I used to work an off-duty detail at Giant Eagle down on Morton Street on the south side, and there was a man, and he'd come in all the time, and we kind of knew to look out for him. People have seen him concealing merchandise in his pants. Well, he was seeing, and I saw myself on, on the video and I said, this is time to stop him. And of course he tried to run and I happened to just grab the spray and I was able to spray him in the face and he was, now I'm, I'm five, four. He had to be about six, two, and I'm going to tell you, he had a lot of weight on me. And he just went right to the ground. He laid right on the ground and he said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. done it's okay okay so that worked for me okay Okay. but you know all officers don't have a teacher a lot of them they're expensive Um, there are some that we could be that they would lend us here at the station We have to be trained with them
0: okay I did not know that
1: and sometimes from what I'm hearing Sometimes the tasers are not effective. If you you're running from me, let's say let's say you just robbed the bank mm-hmm. and I'm chasing you and I have a taser and I pull it and I deploy it. If you have a thick coat on, there's chances I'm not getting there. So we try to look at the totality of the circumstances. But please know that again, that's the last
0: thing that we want to do. So, how can a member of the community get involved in activities with their with their local police department?
1: Okay, every station in the city of Pittsburgh has a community relations officer. Call us. Okay, you live in Carrick, right? Correct. Do you know that we have that your community has a very active block watch? Okay, and Big Brothers are coming to speak at it. Let me tell you when it is. It's. It's usually the first Monday of every month, but the school is closed on October 3rd, so the next meeting is October 10th. Okay. It's at seven o'clock at Concord Elementary School. Okay. And I suggest people attend their community meetings to know what's going on. I attend this meeting every month. I have police reports that I pull out and I share valuable information with members of the community.
0: Is there anything that you would like the general public to know um, that would be helpful when we talk about just the overall relationship between community and and the police force, police officers?
1: I would say be open to the relationship. Now, I can tell you, Ram, that this is about maybe a month or two ago. It was the summer. There was uh, a police shooting, Not, of course not in Pittsburgh. I'm walking out to my patrol car, which is parked two blocks up. I said hello to three different people and not one of them said my back. I felt terrible. I mean, I really did. I'm thinking, wow. I was just trying to be friendly and say good morning. But be open to it. Don't judge the entire, um, don't judge, don't judge every police officer based on an isolated incident. And get to know them. There is a man, I'm looking for his number, his name is Terrence, and he contacted me, he's trying to, I'll have to find this for you. I'm going to call him. I actually met with him, but I want to call him to see how we're proceeding with what he wants to do. He wants to have a meet and greet, and meet Arlington, Knoxville, with the public to come in to meet the police. And that's an excellent idea. It's a start. Good,
0: good. I, I think so too. Okay. I would love to know at least one or two police officers by name and build some rapport and relationship what
1: we're missing here's what we're missing when I come on I come on in 1993 at that time there were about 1100 roughly 1100 police officers they had a program and the program was called community oriented policing and I was one of those officers and it's basically you know you walk a beat, you get out. You, I was assigned a the neighborhood of Banksville. In all 88 communities, there were 88 officers, one officer assigned each community. And I'll tell you, I loved it. I love talking to people every day. I went down to the business district, I met all the business owners, I walked on residential streets, I started a youth group. Well, there's just not enough of us. I mean we have what roughly eight fifty we need more we need more and we need we need people assigned to just focus solely on the communities like we did because it really helped we could do so much more our officers right now if you would come in on the PM shift or listen to the radio listen to the scanner you will hear those officers going from call to call to call to call. Where's the time to interact with the community if you're going from call to call to call to call? So, just something to think about. Well, yeah. I really appreciate it. I Thank you, appreciate
0: you so much. Yes, you did.
1: Did heart,
0: hey, right? you did. You did great. I really appreciate Thank it. You. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Don't forget to visit the website at www.obsessivelyoutspoken.com and follow me on social media. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Until next time.